Actually, let me just raise up the volume just a bit. Okay, there we go. Okay, I'll talk this loud. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, welcome to Evolve an Element. May you please state your name, what you came here to talk about, and what do you do? Hi, my name is Jennifer, and I am a faith-based blogger, and I also do faith-based things on social media, and I am here to talk about how you don't have to end up where you came from. Ooh, you, would you like to start there? And You don't have to end up where you came from? You want to start right there? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Um, so basically, a lot of us, we don't always have the best childhoods or we don't make the best decisions in the early part of our lives. And a lot of times society and maybe family will tell you that that's it for you, that that's where you're gonna be and you're never gonna be anything else. And sometimes we internalize those things. And when you internalize it, you just end up becoming what everybody said because it's already inside of you and there's nothing else there. But I just really want to encourage people that you don't have to end up where you came from because mm -hmm. there's always an escape. There's always a way out. There's always something else you can do. And most importantly, hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. So we can't always internalize what people say because they're really it's just the self-reflection of who they feel they are and where we don't have to carry their burdens in that way and become anything but what God has created us to be. Well said. That was that was beautiful. I almost oh. kind of teared just a little. Just to, <laughs> not to be sappy, but just to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What she said. What she said. That's that's great. When did you come to this um, realization? Like that's what it was for you. Well, um, you know, I guess I I, I don't mind being candid, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, I grew up a child of drug addicts, right? Mm -hmm. And so they did it for the most part of my life, and. I was viewed as less than from family because of what my parents did. So um, a lot of the times I would get comments and stuff like from family, like you're going to end up just like your parents. Mm. Um, you're not good enough. And then like um, me and my dad, we had like an estranged relationship once he recovered. Mm. Um, and he would say stuff to me like, if I died, I don't know what would happen to you. And he like, you know, and so I internalized all those things. And there was other things having to do with like uh, my weight and my appearance and stuff. And so I internalized all those things. And for so long, I was what people said I was like. So if they said good things about me, then I thought good things about myself. If they said bad things and I thought those bad things about myself. And I was just in this place where I was constantly living a life that wasn't my own because I was living what I believed everybody thought of me or uh, being who I thought I need to be to be accepted and to be loved unconditionally, right? So it wasn't until I decided um, that I had had enough of it and I decided to um, follow Christ that I started to realize that I'm not what anybody says about me. I'm who God says I am, what the word says I am. And so um, in that, I found the freedom to be myself and to like become, um, so with all the things that were going on, I kind of, it made me stagnant because I just felt like I can't 
I can't be myself. I can't live up to other people's standards. So I'm just going to stand still. So once I found God and I found out that there's so many things that I can do that I am, you know, uh, the word says like more than a conqueror, you can do all things through Christ. Um, you know, you are fearfully and wonderfully made and all this stuff. So I was like, wow, this is true. And that's when I was able to step outside of it and then also have the compassion for the people who sent those things to me because I understood that their parents weren't, weren't good parents to them. So they only did what they knew. And because of that, I didn't have to place any grudges in my heart, any, and any malice against them. I just actually felt like, wow, you, you only did what you knew. So I, I can't get mad at you. So I forgive you. And now I can move on. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, you have this moment where it's, um, you break the chains almost, right? It's like, oh, wow, yeah. new beginning, you know, a new, a new way of looking at the world, different perspectives going on. Also, you had like the support, like you said, from other people uh, who might be in similar situations or, or just like you said, through, through, your, through your faith. And with that in mind, it, it seems that um, those are necessary. Those, those are, it seems like those are the tools, you can say, to, to change that for you. And yeah. for you, did you notice that at first? Or was that something that when you reflect, like, ah, okay, those were the tools that helped me kind of get to where I am now. How did, did you see them as tools? Or did you just, or you just notice like, hey, this is working out for me. This is really being, this is beneficial for me, so. Yeah, um, I didn't notice it right away. I, I literally felt like my heart started to change because with all the things that were going on with me, I did become very angry. Um, I became like my thoughts were very revengeful um, and I started to notice the effect it had on me because I started to treat um, people that way um, I when I was 21 I um, I got my sisters because my mom had to go away to a rehab mm -hmm. and uh, she asked me if I could watch my sisters and it was supposed to be for two weeks but it ended up being mm -hmm. for almost 14 years right and so I in raising them I started to realize mm -hmm. I was talking to them the way I was being spoken to mm -hmm. because I was doing what I knew right right and so it was in those moments like when I realized because like I think a lot of people think when you get into Christ like it's just like oh everything is better there's butterflies <laughs> and this all this stuff but like it's a struggle because like changing the way you've been for so long. I'm so sorry about the music. <laughs> oh, I don't even hear it, to be honest. With oh, okay, great. <laughs> so cha uh, changing how you've been for so long to having like a new mindset on how you want to think about things, it's so, it's hard. And um, so it's not easy to, to change that. And when I realized what I was doing, I had to like really sit back and reflect, like, is this who I want to be? Because I know... And, and in those moments, I kind of was in both places. I was in the places of the people who said bad things to me, and I was in the place of the person. So I was just like, okay, who do I really want to be? Do I want to be who they were, or do I want to be who I needed? Man, that's dope. I mean, I, I just see it now kind of playing out. And that wasn't like overnight. It seemed like this was a process, I'm, I'm yes. assuming. That's cool. Yeah. During this, time, during this time, <laughs> did, did writing come into play too? Well, I've been writing like all my life. Okay. Um, when I was young as a kid, um, my mom 
when I would do something bad, she would punish me by telling me to read, right? <laughs> and so <laughs> she didn't know that I really loved to read, okay. right? And it was my love for reading and the thought of creating a whole new world. So, like, I mean, I would read books and I would enter into those worlds, but there were, like, other worlds that I wanted to create of my own. So I would start to write. Um, I did uh, writing stories, and I also used to journal. And I also had, like, this coping technique that I had. I don't even know where I got it from, where I would write everything that was hurting me, and then I would rip the paper up and throw it away. And that was kind of my way of saying, I, it's done. I'm not going to deal with it anymore. Wow. The things that you just mentioned to me right now, I, I wish that I heard that younger. Like, oh, this is actually a thing. You can do it. It's not something you should do secretly. I mean, you could do it secretly, but like it's something yeah. that you can actually do and it makes sense and it works. I have three things about what you just said, which is really cool. Okay. I have, you said something about being able to escape into worlds, right? And I started mm -hmm. thinking when you said that, I said, you're right. You live many lives when you read. You read a story mm -hmm. about this, you read a story about that you know, you can read a thousand of those stories and you live yeah. almost basically a thousand lives at this point. So you're kind of like mature. You kind of know what the character has been through. You know what you would have done maybe possibly. Mm -hmm. But then you said something else that was interesting to me. You said to me, I wanted to write my own stories. And that's, that's cool because I had a friend, um, he was actually on the podcast about maybe, maybe a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And he was talking about a long time ago. He was like, Austin, we, we got to have our, we're talking about comic books at the time. He's like, we got to have our own superheroes. We can't just we can't just have Marvel write a superhero for us and us to, to you know we can't just make Spider Man black. That's what he used to tell me. You can't you can't just do that. And I'm like, but that's great though, isn't it? Great that we have a Marvel Morales. He's like, it's cool, but it's not enough. We gotta we gotta write our own super um, super characters. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying is going back to what kind of like Toni Morrison was saying when she was like, when she writes her novels. You know, she wrote from the perspective from an African American. So she was saying, mm -hmm. that's the work that I created. You know, that's the world that I need to put out there because that's the world I understand best. Mm -hmm. And same thing going back to what my friend Sean was saying. He's saying, you know, some, some guy who's making, you know, Superman or, or Spider-Man, he, he's, he's not coming from the same perspective. And I said, you know, that's interesting. I didn't look at it that way. And it's so funny. I went on this journey to find characters that were not white. You know, essentially, I, I found characters that were Puerto Rican, characters that were African-American, um, Asian characters. The list went on. And they're actually out there. Yeah. Um, but they're not mainstream by any no. regards. So I said, hmm, wonder what that has to do. wonder how that affects the psyche. So I was thinking, like, I don't know. Like, when I see Superman I, you know, or Captain America, I just try to envision myself in those characters. But then Black Panther just had came out. And I remember, wow, all my, all my black friends were saying, yo, did you see Black Panther? And then someone was like, yeah, I saw that, man, Wakanda, Wakanda. Like, everything was like, <laughs> it was a great moment because people can, yeah. they were able to see themselves represented on the screen. And I didn't realize how much of an effect that could have. So you yeah. saying that you writing your own stories, that, that's very interesting to me because it was like, kind of why I started writing to begin with too. Not really knowing that, but kind of just writing like, I wonder what my character would, would be like. Yeah. Um, and the third thing you mentioned, um, sorry for going on a little tangent here. <laughs> no, 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 it's great. I love it. The third thing you said is about ripping up the paper. Mm -hmm. I legit, I used to do something I, similar, but not, I wouldn't rip it though. What I would do is I would wet it. 
I would. Okay. I, was, I was afraid that people would like put it together, like FBI. Okay. Like that's how paranoid it was. So I would write all this stuff, anything that came to mind, good stuff, bad stuff, how I felt, and then put it. I would wet it. I would put it underneath the sink, and I would. I would literally ball it up, and then I would like just dump it. Because at that point, it's like you, you can't read that. I mean, it's like why yeah. would you put yourself through all that? So it's interesting. <laughs> How we kind of had similar ways of discarding it for coping reasons. Yeah. Now, now whoever's listening to this is like, oh, okay, man, man, I did that too, but I thought that was weird. But now you got two weirdos right now yeah, telling it. you it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's probably more out there because I've like I remember I would tell my sisters that like even like rip it up like so you can forget about it you know yeah. like right say what's like let it out but like rip it up so nobody has to know. But I do think. Um, it, it was a good thing, but I also think it was a thing that kind of aided in my uh, repression. I think that's what you say, because I would repress things, right? So, like, even though I was getting them out, mm-hmm. they were go. It was going nowhere. Oh, I see. I see. You know, so I mean, it's it's an awesome thing, like as a child, um, and I think I I, th- I believe I did that because you know, I don't know about you but i feel like in my hispanic household mm-hmm. children didn't have feelings like you weren't allowed to have feelings <laughs> you're not allowed to have feelings and because you know if you're if you complain you're if you say oh this is i feel this way i feel that way it's like stop complaining or who do you think you're talking to there's kids like out that. there who so, got it worse than you exactly <laughs> Who are these kids? Who are these kids? (laughs) It's true. So, like, that was, um, it was great, but I feel like I did it because I couldn't express myself any other way. Mm. So that was the way I did it. It's it's interesting that you say that, too, because I, as, as a guy, I was afraid to to do writing at all i i my buddies at the time growing up was like that's for girls that's that's really yeah yeah i was always under the impression that writing was for girls okay and i and you know as you get older you realize how ridiculous that is but i used to hide my journal i used to be like all right i'm gonna put this somewhere in the back (laughs) you know i used to make comics all the time you know put it in my folder and people were like yo that's yo you're you're supposed to be doing that's supposed to be doing that so I was yeah. always intimidated. So hence why I used to throw everything out at the at that a certain point. Yeah. Mm. But it it's funny because it, we we think that you know there's no one out there who 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 feels like us until we mm-hmm. meet that person. Um, yeah. So and it's always re it's always refreshing when you get someone yes. who's yes. who's been through something similar or had the similar thoughts or had similar actions or art art our downfalls, our uprises, the, the, you know, the list can go on. Yeah. Tell me about this blog. When, when did you start doing the actual blog? Um, so I've had many blogs. <laughs> I've okay. had a whole bunch. I w- was one of those people that I'd start something and then I like lose courage and I'm like, oh no, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> um, and then I would just erase everything. So this current blog that I have, I've had it since last year. Okay. Um, the website is, is it okay if i say the website absolutely it's your blog oh, okay. I want people to know yeah. <laughs> um it's called purposelyloved.com okay. uh so i i like i went and i was like okay i'm going to be professional i'm going to get me a domain name actually so it's not like blogspot.com so <laughs> so <laughs> so yeah i've had it um now for almost a year um i started it i was going to start it as um I wanted to document like my weight loss mm-hmm. um, journey 
And then it just turned into like, all right, I don't want it to be about me particularly. Like I want to use myself like just so someone can relate, but this is really for the reader. Mm. So that is when I started, I decided that I would make it a faith-based um, blog where um, I would just talk about my life and how, you know, God has helped me. And mm. also, um, you know, I understand that not a lot of people believe in God. Um, and I'm not going to try to impose my religion on anybody. Mm. But um, I want to put something in there just to encourage so like even if you don't believe in god you you'll still walk away mm. with some kind of encouragement and my main thing is just about to be like be authentic be yourself because that's the only person you can be that's the only way you will feel fulfilled mm. because um as someone who grew up as a people pleaser it's the worst if you're just always trying to make everybody happy and you're not like living for yourself so I want people to, uh, how can I say, I want people to embrace their authenticity and I want them to know that we're all uniquely made. So that means that there's no one who's better and no one who's less, you're just you. I wish that was understood on a wider scale. Like you're, you're no different than the next person. <laughs> um, but somehow, some way we, we get manipulated into thinking that one's better than the other or mm -hmm. one size better than, you know, than another size, which mm -hmm. is always interesting to me. You know, um, for, for me, I was always confused about, about many things. I think many things I was pretty confused about. One of the, one of the two things I was confused about was like race, like, okay. I was, like race was one, religion was another. Mm -hmm. And then I would just say like, like monetary stuff, like anything financial, I was just like, how does that like, why is this work? How does this work? So I'll just go in order, I guess. So for me, race was weird because I grew up in a predominant, at first I grew up predominantly in, I would say, in a more white neighborhood, I would say. I grew up in, first eight years of my life was in Gravesend, Brooklyn, which is, it was like a mixture of white folks. And yeah, you had some Spanish or black here and there, but or some Asian, but very, very, we were definitely the minority there. Okay. But then eight years after that, I moved to, um, Oh my goodness! Um, borderline Carnarvon, um, Flatlands, and mm -hmm. it was all Caribbean, all okay. Caribbean. So you have Guyanese, you have Puerto Rican, you have you know, the list goes on: Jamaican, um, Haitian. So mm -hmm. a lot of my friends were Caribbean descent, mm -hmm. and I was like, I don't understand race because in my own family, there's there's different mixtures of people. I grew up with many different types of, of hues, different um, even religions. I have some cousins that are Jewish. You know, I have cousins. I don't have any cousins that are Muslim yet, and not that I'm aware of. But um, we have definitely have Catholics, Christians, um, Jewish, and I always thought that was uh, interesting. You know, and and I always saw okay, well, Puerto Rican just must mean that you're you have these you have your Taino roots, right? You have your indigenous roots, you have your African roots, and then you have your European roots. So I figured, okay, that's what everybody's probably got going on. That maybe just their family has more of which group. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking like, huh, okay, well, if I live in an all white neighborhood, what do they think we are? You know, a lot of times yeah. they'll get confused. They're like, you're not, you look light, but you don't look white. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when I was in my all Caribbean neighborhood in Flatlands, it's like, no, you ain't white, but okay. All right. You know, we know you're light, but you ain't white. It was the same conversation. So I was always like, kind of always felt like in the middle somehow. 
so I never quite understood that. To me, it's always been like I do recognize why I do recognize black. I do rec- recognize you know any other um, race, but uh, for me, it was like, all right, well, that's I wasn't so like hell bent on me, uh, you know, being Puerto Rican, where I was like, I have to. Like uh, I have to be dominant than the other other culture because I never okay. I never understood the dominancy of that maybe because I was just we were raised that way I'm not too sure you could share what your experiences and for religion it was always more like well everyone believes something you know I got friends mm-hmm. who 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 believe they're more science based or I have some friends that are uh, more um, they're more into the scripture they're more into uh, the holy holy book you know they're into that. Uh, but for me, I, I try both. I see what, you know, as you can see, I have a space background, you know, but I'm, I would say I'm deeply spiritual, you know, mm-hmm. and so I have, a, I would say best of both worlds, you know, I'm very interested in, in both of those worlds, but it's very hard to, I think as humans, it's very hard to just be one thing, you know, uh, it's many facets that create our experiences. Um, yeah. But what was your thoughts on all that stuff? Well, race wise, I, I grew up in Bushwick Projects, so it was like, you know, uh, a lot of people, but also a lot of different people. But for some reason, I've always, um, my my best friend, she was black. Um, I barely, I rarely hung out with um, Hispanics because they, I didn't feel like accepted by them. Mm-hmm. There was, just, I don't know why I wasn't accepted by them, um, but I just never felt that way. And um, then when I moved uh, to Harlem, uh, where I live, it used to be, I live in like Spanish Harlem, they call it, but um, it's, I've, I feel it's predominantly black. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I never really saw anything until actually my sister I was, I don't like to admit it, right? But I was like one of those people who were kind of judgment, judgmental about races, mm-hmm. right? So like, you know, uh, white people think they're better than everybody. Um, black people don't have to live in the ghetto. They just need to just, you know, stop wanting to be in the ghetto and get it together. And, you know, they can be anything. Um, so I was like in that place. And then my sister, she went to college first. Um, and she goes to a predominantly white college. And um, she would call home and she would just be livid about how white people were and all this stuff. And I would say to her, like, you know, if because she would just talk about things like um, how they think how they thought the same way I did, like black mm-hmm. people just want to be ghetto sometimes and they need to do that. And then I, I was like listening to her, but it was hard because she was so angry that I couldn't like, it was hard for us to talk because she was, right. it was, it was like a, it was an eye opening for her. So mm-hmm. it just hit her really hard. Then I went to college and I started to learn about like the history of, of you know, racism and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And that just like changed my mind real quick. And I understood like, why we are where we are, what other people think about us, what we should be doing to help ourselves, you know, um, the things that are in the way that prevent us from doing better, um, the systematic stuff, stuff like that. So I don't know, I guess you could say I'm kind of like all over the place with racism, but now I have, I with race, not racism, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Um, But now I understand it differently 
And I I wasn't raised to look at people for their color. Mm-hmm. So I never really like really thought about that. It's no. just people were people. So I don't know. I feel like I made it confusing. No, I totally understand. <laughs> I understand your confusion because I've definitely <laughs> been it for sure. Um, for, for, for me, it would like race would come up in the house. I would say, especially when we watch the news, it would, it would come up like, mm-hmm. damn, those whites are damn, damn. Why is it always black people on? It's like, yeah. And you kind of feed into that whole, you started consuming whatever the media is constantly yes. showing you or even movies. How many mm-hmm. movies do you watch or how many books do you read? And it's, it's like every time there's a person of color. It's like they're either the bad guy or they're some like sidekick, you know, they're like, they're never really the main character of a story. I mean, you have a few examples that they are, but that's very rare. Um, Maybe there may be more now than they were back then. That's for sure. Uh, What's what's interesting, too, is that is that um, talking about the confusion, what's confusing about it is because this whole race stuff doesn't make sense. We're, we're living experiences. That's what we are. We're, these are our, like our vessels, as they say. We're mm-hmm. living this experience to, you know, this is how we came out. You know, this is the experience that we're living in. Then someone or some people thought it was a good idea to, to say, you know what? what, what's a good way of controlling people? What's a good way of pitting them against each other so we can go yeah. do whatever we can go do? And what's, what, what, I'm, what I'm referring to here is something that I'm going to drop some, drop some drop some reading suggestions now. Um, okay. I read, uh, I was reading um, Dick Gregory and James Baldwin. They had a conversation, I think somewhere in Europe, I don't remember which exactly, which country they were giving a lecture at, but it's called Baldwin's, it's called, is it Baldwin? I think it's called Baldwin's Nigger. And from there, he's explained, him and Dick Gregory, civil rights activist, explaining what, the mindset is with both with with what it means to be white and not not just the the skin but the mentality so there's a lot of times even now like even like in modern day we'll say man you're acting so white why yeah. are you acting so white for what happened you forgot about your roots you know that saying or that feeling is really referring to the mentality in which someone sees the world and governs themselves in that world so you can even have people that look like us right? Come from where we come from and still have this white mentality. So that yeah. was the thing that a lot of people to this day, they have struggled with because it's, it's confusing. It's like, cause they're so, we're so caught up on what we see. Yeah. So a lot of times when you step back and you say, okay, well, if I, if I, like you said, you weren't, you weren't raised to just only look at one thing of a person, usually judging by their character, right? I mean, we've been raised on those principles, right? Or at least you know their culture or you know something. A lot of that hatred comes from what? Not knowing or being ignorant or being manipulated, right? Mm-hmm. Whether it's through your family or whether it's through your environment that you're, you're, that you're in or whether it's through what you consume. Mm-hmm. So these days, you know, those, those, those um, issues still, um, they still exist. I would say they're even heightened to some extent because we have so yeah. many ways of accessing different people's you know, mindsets, and you can even just pick your own group and stay in that Facebook group, so to speak, and just talk, you know, caca about, every, <laughs> about yeah. everything you don't like. And mm-hmm. it's very destructive when you don't make that leap to have those conversations with people. Yeah. Um, and just to cap off, the reason why I recommend that particular reading is because it was, it, it was transcribed 
um, it was transcribed and you can watch, you can find it on YouTube. I don't know if you can find the whole thing, but you can find it. It's maybe an hour, a 30 to hour minute long. I'm not too, I'm not too sure how long it was, but if you get the transcribed version, which is kind of hard to find nowadays, but I still have a copy of it. Thank God I didn't throw it out. Um, it really lays out uh, how to see it, how to see race as, as politics, how to see race as a mentality, um, how to see race as something that's not just something on, on, on the surface of our, of our, like basically of our bodies. So that's, that's a whole nother thing. And sometimes it's for, especially for people who, um, like, for example, like they say folks who are mixed, right. They have, like, say they have two races. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Cause when you go to like places like Hawaii, you go to a- Asian countries or, or you go to African countries, they'll tell you, you, uh, you only got two races. How about like, we got like six, seven, eight, nine different races in our family. What about you? And you're like, Oh, I just have like two. They look at you funny because it's funny because that's how mixed they are. Right. And then here in America, it's like if you're mixed, like if you're what you call biracial, right? You're black and you're white, right? For me, biracial is kind of like, I would say like Puerto Rican in some sense was being like biracial or triracial, <laughs> depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. So from there, it's like, oh God, I don't fit into the black box. Like you said, I don't fit into the white box. Like you said, I don't fit into the Spanish box. Like you said, but damn, I'm all these things. How do I, how do I do each of those things without feeling uncomfortable. And like you said earlier, you just got to speak your truth. You got to live your truth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And hopefully along that way, you find people who have the same problems as you. Yeah. But definitely. I recommend that reading. Um, I'll put it in the description if anyone else is interested. Awesome. Sure. Yeah. I'll definitely go check it out. Um, I'm really open to learning more because um, I, I would hope to one day be able to, cause what I'm planning to do is finish college and become a therapist. And I want to be able to serve everyone. I want to be able to at least have some understanding. Mm-hmm. And also too, I, you know, as a person of faith, a person, I feel like as a human being, mm-hmm. I, I believe in right and wrong. And with all this stuff that's going on, what's wrong just has to be fixed. And I don't want to be a part of the problem. Right. I want to be a part of the solution. So that means educating myself and doing yeah. more listening, less talking, you know, and just learning about what I can do as someone who considers themselves Hispanic mm-hmm. to help other people. So, yeah, great point. Great point. You know, you, you have to start somewhere, right? Where mm-hmm. no matter where, like everyone has their own uh, uh, entry point, right? Some people it's, it's with reading it's with, um, you know, listening to lectures. It's uh, maybe joining a different community that they've never been part of just to see what it's about, um, see how you can learn from that. But at the root of it is, is, is basically communication in some form or way, whether it's via art, whether it's via um, um, religion, whether it, it's, it's some type of communication. It just takes different forms. And like you said before, you believe in right and wrong. There's, there's a sense of right and wrong. And as you, as you see different communities, everyone has their own perception of what right and wrong is and to what extent, right? I think most people will agree on certain things, whereas some things they're like, no, that's, that's wrong. You can't do that. A lot of times those things seem to be like aesthetics, right? They seem to be like, oh, okay. Like, for example, I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. Hopefully it's perfect. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Have you ever heard of the, uh, the, the doll test, I don't know if I'm saying the test right, but it's it's essentially, it's the doll test. Have you heard of that? 
I think I saw it in one of my um, psychology classes um, where they have these kids look at the dolls and like yes. they would have like the different kids say which one is good, which one yes. is bad. Here's the funny part about that. You have, uh, uh, I would also say civil rights activist. Um, her name's Jane Elliott. She did a similar test, but she didn't have any dolls. What she did was she went into classrooms um, where she worked. She, I think she was a, a school teacher at one point. Yeah, um, I love Jane Elliott. Oh, okay. So we're, all right, I'm just basically telling this to the audience then. So yes, audience. Uh, Jane Elliott used to work in school public school system. I believe in a South, correct me if I'm wrong, Jennifer. Um, and she would make the little children cry. No. Um, yeah. <laughs> for, the, for the most part, she would change people's colors, the, the students' eyes. So it would be what brown eyes, blue eyes, right? Is that okay? And basically she'll do, uh, I guess you can say, she facilitated this workshop, you can say, that helped people understand race from a very young age and how corrupt and how nonsensical it is um, mm -hmm. and how confusing it is to judge someone based on the color of their skin. I mean, color of their eyes in this particular case. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, there, there's folks like Jane Elliott um, or there are folks like um, Dick Gregory or James Baldwin or Martha Luther King, Malcolm X. I mean, the list can go on. Asada Shakur, you know, the list can go mm -hmm. on. Uh, the, oh my goodness, I'm blanking out on, on our on our uh, civil rights uh, leaders too, um, like the oh my goodness, I'm blanking out, but they're based in New York. I'll get it eventually. It'll come. <laughs> but my point here is is that there's all different ways of how to engage with this information. So hopefully we could we're sprinkling some like some reference points for people to to enter that to see what that yeah. looks like. Yeah. And to go back to the whole doll thing is that that test was done recently. I think in the early 2000s. If I'm if if I'm right, I maybe have to fact check that for me. But um, it was basically the same results. So if white means good and black means bad, how do you change that in someone's mentality, right? It, if it's happening from K to 12 that this is the case, what do you think happens after 12th grade? You think that students automatically think white is white is uh, white is bad or a good or or black is or black is good? No, it, it stays the same for the most part. And yeah. the sad thing is that when people like us, when I, I mean people of color, mm -hmm. they are still ingrained. Like you said, they internalize all this stuff. So mm -hmm. what happens too is you start looking at yourself in the mirror like, I don't like what I look like. Mm -hmm. Right? You get the, you start feeling like, oh, I don't like my nose. It's too big. Or my mustache is too uh, thick. Or my teeth mm -hmm. are crooked. Or my jaw is not wide. You know, the, the list can go on. Or my size, my, my weight, my, my posture, my everything. Yeah. Right? So, once we start feeding into, once we, since we've been, we've, feed, we've been feeding into that, that ideology subliminally, mm -hmm. that's why it's very crucial in what you watch and what you listen to and what, who you're around, because all that stuff, even if you like say, ah, I don't believe in that, deep down inside, somewhere in the back of your mind is a switch that flicks on, flicks off, you yep. know, where you get triggered, where you start thinking in this way and you have to snap out of it to think like, oh, do I really think like that? That's creepy, you know? But, but it all starts at home. I, I, I really believe it all starts with how you're raised because how are these children getting, you know, uh, conjuring up, well, if you're white, you're good. If you're black, you're bad. Because, like, children don't know any race. There's plenty of videos out there where you see little kids playing with each other, yeah. loving each other. They don't care. They don't so care. It's so, somewhere at home or in their schooling, they yeah. start to see that one is one is better and one mm -hmm. is not right. and 
you know, I think I wish we had more people like Jean Elliott going to all schools everywhere, mm-hmm. you know, um, rich schools, poor schools, and just showing people that, you know, you can't treat one race in one way that we're all equal, that we're all from the human race. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if some if that could happen, like there could be so much change in the world. For sure. And I think I think it I think it's been underway for a long time. I think I think it's so easy to get caught up on all the craziness in the world, but mm-hmm. there's also great moments in history where that has if you think about what's happened since the sixties to now, I I would like to believe that there's been some sort of progression, at least at least all races kind of getting to coming to the some coming to that conclusion. I think it's I think the, the racism still exists very much well. No, they exist, but you know, let's not be, let's not be, you know, um, um, doubtful about that. Um, racism still exists. It it probably exists in many different ways than it did back in the '60s, but there's still remnants of there still lurking around, probably in ways we won't even understand until maybe many years later, until maybe the next uh, civil rights movement. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. but a lot of people might be saying, "Well, we're in a movement right now. We are. We always been in the movement. It's never been." Uh, designated time period it's it's always been happening and I, yeah. I probably would agree with that louder than the first but if you just look at the last since last 50 or so years you know a lot has changed to some extent I mean as far as individuals looking at one another or feeling more comfortable amongst other I, I think it's been a little more demystified especially when you have an African-American president I mean yeah people are going to get mad but the fact that we have evidence that we had Obama you know, unless they scrub him off the history books and they scrub him off and they make his um, every picture look um, like, say, pale, pale white yeah. skin. You know, I mean, that's that's been happening in history. Like if you go to the Dominican Republic, I mean, maybe not now, but if you look at the politicians that were there, they would they would, they would change their features or they would change this to look less oh. African. So, I mean, this didn't only happen in the Dominican Republic. This happened throughout all South America and then many other places around the world. Or even Egypt, you know, you see defacings of, of, of African features, you know, yeah. quite often around. So it's interesting because going, I'm going to bring this back to the whole storytelling thing that you're, yeah. you're mentioning now about how writing our own stories, we can't give that up. Because when we go to school, we're not reading our stories. When we come at home, sometimes we're not even reading our stories because mm-hmm. maybe our family might not know about it. Or maybe to what extent they might know, they might not know the extent that we're looking for. And then what happens? You go to college looking desperately for the information, right? And sometimes what's sad is that you, people like us get into that, that quote-unquote higher realm of education, and we even get manipulated thinking that, oh, I got the answers now. And then we come back, and then everyone else is looking at us like, man, what you, learned, you went to that school, now you think you know everything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we think we might know everything, but the yeah. question is that I want to leave the audience with is how do we know what we know, right? And how do we, what do we do with that information, right? So if you found out, and like you said, you, I went to this class. I went to this class and I learned everything that there is to know about racism. You got to ask yourself, well, how do I know if that's the case? I was easily manipulated K-12 thinking that Columbus was some good guy. Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Even though at home they were saying something totally different. At home they're like, you crazy? Columbus, good guy, right? Yeah. But if you don't have that growing up saying, hey, Columbus, bad guy, or a school saying this good guy, you have this confusion from the get-go. 
You have one thing saying this, another saying that. So my question is, how do you know what you know and how you know where the truth lies? So you would have to expose yourself to the good, the quote-unquote good, the bad, the fake, the real, the not-so-real, the watered-down version. You have to expose yourself to all that stuff. And then from there, hopefully you can make a better, uh, I want to say conclusion, but you come to a better understanding of like, ah, okay, okay. I don't got all the answers, but I got a better picture right now. Yeah. You know. But us writing our stories makes it a lot easier. If I write an autobiography right now in my life, I don't, hopefully I don't have someone else writing it for me. I'm writing it myself. Mm-hmm. So for example, like Malcolm X, he had a writer who wrote his, supposedly wrote his story. So there's a rumor that's going around. I don't know how true it is, but it, there's a rumor saying that he didn't write it, that someone else wrote it. So that's, that's it's, it's conflicting because you're like, oh man, I really was hoping that Malcolm X actually wrote that autobiography and that's some not some dude that has no clue what, who, you know, who is Malcolm X and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So when we write our own stories, we have to have ownership of our own stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have to own it. We have to put our, our name on the title. We have to see every process of itself. You know what I mean? We've seen this with music. If you, if you follow the music industry, look at the artists that didn't have rights to their own music. Yeah. And now they they can't make a living or they are, are now they're being scrubbed off as, you know, uh, uh, you know, from all their hard work and achievement. So yeah. this happens to write This happens to all arts, to be honest with you, but this happens in history too. Like if I write a history, if you write a history book right now and you, you, you got a grant say for, I don't know, $5 million to write the history on, on anything, say it happens to do with, with any topic, say um, blogging or fable or whatever the case may be. You wrote that, right? You have peer editors that look at it. All right, they read it. They make sure that the facts are, you know, it's a committee that looks at the book, right? Now you wrote that. Now, if you want, right, you can have that across all the CUNY colleges, right, inside the library. You can find a PDF file, all that stuff. It's in a database, right? It's CUNY. It's part of CUNY now. No one could come around and say, okay, we got to get rid of that book. And if they do, you'll notice, hey, wait a second, where's that book? We, we saw this publicated. Where is it? Then people can protest and say, hey, where's that book? because they know it exists. So yeah. we have to constantly, constantly put out stuff too that comes from, from, from our mouths, from our experiences, to kind of like give nuance to all the other stuff that's out there that might be oversaturated from one perspective. Yeah. So, I mean, a writer's job is, some people go into writing thinking, I'm just gonna write a fantasy. I'm gonna write everything's gonna be totally fiction. But then, as I was saying earlier about Toni Morrison, she was saying like, uh, she got criticized for not writing about white characters enough. She said she got criticized for not having quote unquote white stories or whatever that means. And she got criticized yeah. for not being able to write white stories in the world though. Yeah. But the <laughs> thing is, I don't mind. I don't care. I don't mind if they're white. Sto- I don't care if Harry Potter's out there. I don't care if um, Hunger Games is out there. I don't care. What I do care is though that our stories are in the mix. As well, yeah. You know what I mean? So if we've been oppressed not to write our stories because we don't see ourselves valuable enough to write those stories, then, oh my goodness, we have so much catching up to do. You know what I mean? But the stories are out there. The good news is, not to scare anybody, the star <laughs> stories are out there. The question yeah. is, where are they? And are they? why aren't they in that mainstream narrative? That's where we come in and we have to say, hey, I, like, for example, I remember, do you remember this? Maybe you, maybe you could tell me if you had this experience too. In school, right? They had like a day where you could like bring in your own book. You ever had that experience? No. <laughs> okay. In my school, I guess, I don't remember what grade it was, but they said, hey, you can bring in your own book. 
And I, I was so excited. I planned, I planned which book I was going to bring, right? At the time, I was a big fan of Goosebumps because I loved horror and I loved, you know, I loved stories that scared you. That was the only thing that I really gravitated towards. Okay. I, I think it was like fourth grade or something. I brought this book in and my teacher at the time, she said, oh, that's not appropriate. And I thought how, I thought to myself, another thing as a kid, because I think kids are very smart from a very age. Like, what? That doesn't make sense. I love reading it. It's a book. You said bring a book. Why can't I bring a book? And I started thinking, well, why does she didn't want this book? Okay, maybe it had something to do because it was too graphic. Okay, but it's still weird, though, because I'm reading it, and this is quote-unquote made for kids. So yeah. now you're censoring me about what I could read now. So I started thinking, like, well, if this teacher, well, as I got older, I started thinking, I said, well, if this teacher said I couldn't read Goosebumps, how many teachers are out there that wouldn't want me to read something that was made from someone who, who was like me, bringing it into the classroom? And I remember this was a huge problem when it came to college because in college, here's where it all comes back, right? In college, you know when you have a citation page? A lot of professors, not, I'm not name calling anybody or picking on anybody, but this is how they've been brought up. This is the consensus for a lot of professors. Um, you have to bring citated material that's quote-unquote authentic, right? So when you write your thesis paper or you write your, you know, your dissertation or anything like that, it's supposed to be something that's, that's been vetted, something that's been approved by society to some extent. And you have to start asking yourself, well, damn, that really leaves out a lot of people. It's been times, yeah. there's been a lot of times where professors say, no, that's not, that's not, that's not good. You got to take that out. And I used to question, like, wonder why this source is not accurate. So one day I met someone at a graduate level. I was working, cause I'm, I write, I'm a tutor at the writing center at Hunter College. And I met a graduate student and I was concerned about their citation paper. And I said, do you sure you can put this in here? And one of the sources that they had was uh, a lecture. It was a lecture, something like this, like people, like a podcast or something. And I said, I don't know if you have that. Like, I don't know. Let me get my manual. Like the first thing I thought was like, oh, let me go get my manual. <laughs> it's like, because we have these. Things. And the manuals was very, uh, this manual that we had was pretty open-minded. It said that you can allow things of that nature if it had something to do with the topic. And I said, oh, okay, that makes sense. And that's when it hit me like, wait a second, there's professors who are still part of this own vanguard that won't allow you to add something about X, Y, and Z if it doesn't go with the mainstream narrative. And I didn't know how much of that was a problem until I was talking to a lot of my friends who had similar issues. And it really hit me when I was in British literature class. I was taking a British literature writing class. And for the whole time, um, things were pretty good with my citation pages, but my friends weren't really picky as much as I, I, you know, I was led to believe. And makes a long story short, we were talking about um, we were talking about British literature. And one of the things I wanted to focus on was um, I think it was slavery or something like that. Something about um, actually, well, I think it was a slightly a little different. It wasn't slavery per se. It was but it was transporting it was transporting um, people of color across seas. Okay. It was it was more about the transporting aspect of things because I was reading this um, story about. I was reading this autobiography about, I forgot the author's name, but he had mentioned it briefly. He had mentioned something about slavery and the transatlantic slave trade very briefly. It was like maybe a paragraph of like this 300 page thing he wrote. Mm -hmm. I picked it and I used it as my site. And my professor looked me in the eye and said, no, 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 no. You cannot use anything that says anything bad about Columbus. That's what she basically told me. She didn't say it in those words, but she, she gave me the look like, you better not put that in there, I'm gonna fail you. So I made a decision that night. I, I was gonna rewrite this paper, um, not 
really being happy about the change. And I said, okay, maybe this is just an academic thing. And I, I, I think I changed it. I wound up dropping that course, by the way, because I really felt this professor was on the, on the toes of being um, prejudiced. Um, and then since she had power over me, since she's my professor, she also has some type of form of racism, you can say. Um, yeah. Lucky for me, this is, this, is, this is like the most intense situation that I had, at least at CUNY. And I talked to other friends too. They had similar problems with this professor, uh, especially okay. on the citations page. But I was very disheartened. I was very, I was really down and out about like, damn, I can't, how am I going to excel in the writing world? Um, or at least as a creative writer, creative writing, uh, creative writing major, if this is what's going to happen to me and I can't express myself and I can't write the papers that I want to write and I have to stick to this, this narrative and I can't challenge it. I mean, that's problematic, right? Yeah. And there, another time this happened, I had a professor say something very similar. We were talking about short story writers. It was a short story class we had to write based on the two short story authors that we read in class. I said, cool, well, I'm going to pick uh, um, Sherman Alexie, Native American writer, talks about the ghetto, talks about the reservations, talks about Seattle, um, drug use. I'm going to talk about that guy. And she's like, no, this is, what, this is her word. She's like, no, he's not American. And I looked at her like, I was just like, what? Like my, 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 you know, 2018 brain, I was like, you know, my, you know, you know, post-racial, you know, understanding of the world, you know, yeah. Obama being in office. I was like, what? Sherman Alexi is not American enough? And I said, I was trying to play devil's advocate now. I'm like, but it is in the syllabus. And we did read them in class, right? Yeah. You know, it was, you're saying it's okay to read, read about drunk because uh, this particular story is about alcohol. Uh, okay. is there, is, it's, it's okay to read about drunk Indians, right? That's fine, right? We could do that in class and we can nitpick and we could say what's good about the story, what's not, and la, 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 right? All right? You get brownie points for that, right? You're like, oh, I put it in there. I put Sherman Alexie in my class, right? Mm -hmm. But I can't write about Sherman Alexie when it comes down to a, 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 one of our papers you do on American authors. So I was livid. So here's what I did, Jennifer. I, I did something. I did something a little revolutionary. <laughs> I gave her. I gave her the remake of my story. All right, that had no Sherman Alexi. I said, "How about now?" She's like, "Yeah, that's that's good. It's real good. Come to me anyway. I want to still work with on with you." I said, "Okay." So I came to her office. I was coming to her office every week, Jennifer, for like a month to make sure that this will get an A. Right. Yeah. Sure this writing was top notch because that's how much I believed in professors at this time. This is how much I believed, not in myself, but in authority. Okay. And I said to my, and not being critical thinker and not being able to challenge and feel confident in myself and write this paper. I brought it to her. I rewrote it. And I basically had an A paper. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to, if you write, if you write this remake, I'm going to give you a B plus. She already gave me a score. She already gave me uh, an answer. And I said to her, B plus, I've been coming to you for a month, like, and you've been giving me tips on how to make it better. And this is with the revisions. This is with like three, four revisions already. And I said, I, and I took out Sherman Alexi. So you know what I did that night? I said, all right, she won't give me a B plus. I'm going to put Sherman Alexi in my essay. <laughs> so that's exactly what I did. I submitted my Sherman Alexi thing. And I told her, I said, professor, you might not like it, but I have Sherman Alexi in my essay. She's like, good. That's a B plus. And now I did not know, at this point, I didn't know I can go higher up and say, hey, I think I was graded unfairly. I, I didn't know I had that power as a student. This was very early on when I first started. And I said to myself, 
man, I wish I wish I made us think about that. I really wish I made us think about that because I didn't know that I was, I was, I was the person. I didn't know that there was other people like me going through that. The same thing. Censored, not to write about this, not to write about that. So, well, my point here is, and and what I'm really emphasizing here is that challenge them. You know what I mean? Challenge, put that, put it in there. And know yeah. that you do have other professors who might who might stand by your side, or there might be a committee, and there might be a chairman you can talk to and say, "Hey, I think I don't know. I don't really feel comfortable with. I didn't. I got a grade, and I don't really think it's correct. Here's my story. You'd be surprised how many people might look into that, and how many yeah. people might say, "Hey, I think you graded that student unfairly, and hey, maybe we should look at your syllabus again to see if it really if Sherman Alexi is not good enough to be written about as American author." So I didn't know this at the time. I thought, man, I'm just getting picked on. It's just me. I had this I me syndrome. It's just me syndrome. Yeah. I started talking to all my friends about it. And they're like, oh, man, it happens to me too, man. I, why did I do anything either? Like, and we were thinking like, this is the normal thing. Yeah. So when I became a writing tutor at Hunter College, this happened to me at BMCC, mind you, which okay. is more diverse than Hunter, which I found it weird that this was even happening. But there you go. You get you get you get woke quick, right? When you get reality <laughs> slap in your face, that whole oh everything's fine, and no more racism. It, oh, it's there, right? So yeah. So here you go. I'm at Hunter College, and I started getting students just like you, Jennifer, coming in, right? Not having zero having zero confidence about their their self their writing, having zero confidence about what they're going to be submitting. Basically, asking me, can you help me write this the way they want it? And I said, who is they? Who is they? And I said, well, it's my professor. I said, no, 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 no. Go deeper than that. It's not just your professor. This has been your whole life. You've been, been telling not to do X, Y, and Z. So today, you know what we're going to do? We're going to write from what your, your perspective is. How about that? I don't know if I should do that. And it, literally, it's a struggle. Jennifer, it's literally a struggle. It's, it's like pulling teeth. And so what I, I used to come more aggressive before. Now I'm very like, I put it into the food, so to speak. I put put the little nuances in the food and let them yeah. digest it the way they want to digest it. And, yeah. and basically when they come back, they're like, Oh my God. Um, you know, if they come back, usually they don't come back cause they learned their lesson and they, they felt confident. They come back and they say, Hey, I'm working on this pace. I really want you to look at it. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of controversial or whatever the case may be, but I just want to make sure I got my stuff. You know, it, it looks legit. It's not just like who booey, you know what I mean? It's not coming out my butt. So when I realized that coming from a, a writing center, and at the writing center, it's predominantly white tutors, predominantly. Um, sometimes I think, man, w w hopefully I'm not part of this quota system. Hopefully I wasn't just picked because I'm Puerto Rican. Hopefully that's not the case. I mean, if they looked at me, they might not know what I am. I might pass, as they say. But then, I, I, at least I think at the Hunter, I think at Hunter, I was, I would like to believe that they picked me because I was actually going to be a decent tutor who they can, you know, mold and, and help other students. And at least that's what I feel in my heart. I never got any sense of prejudice from them, even from the recruitment part of it. Um, they were really focused on about educating, not training, not peer, not editing, edu educating, and really bringing people out of the darkness to really to find their voice when they write things and, 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 and gain that, author, that authorship of their own work. So I digress, but that's, I mean, I don't know how we got here. I totally forgot. I, <laughs> I basically took over the, the conversation just now. No, uh, it's feel free to, to, to shoot me, uh, to, sh you know, go at it. Uh, let me know. Well, what you're <laughs> something that you said, uh, 
I had to learn in college because I had it in my head, like you said, like the students you were speaking to, I had it in my head that um, I had to write what the, what the reader, the professor, the teacher would yeah. want me to hear. And I had a professor at BMCC. Uh, she would always say, well, but what are your thoughts on this? Ooh, what are your I'm, thoughts on this? Like, and I'd be like, what? Like, now I have, I can't just go to the facts. I have to give my yeah. opinion. I don't have thoughts. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I learned, I learned that. Um, think about that, Jennifer. Think about the fact that she, they asked that question. How many times were you asked that beforehand? Even in our own house. Never. How many times in your own house are you asked, hey, what do you think? No. It's, it's, it's rare. It's weird. Not that we know we're, our family's evil, but like it's, no. it's, you know, I'm not trying to put a bad rep on anybody, but no, no, like, no. <laughs> we don't naturally do that. We don't naturally say, Hey, it's kind of out of the norm, ordinary. Like, hey, what are your thoughts on that? But yeah. when you do have the opportunity, you actually, you get, like you said, you might have this word, like, Oh, I don't know. what You might get in that phase. And then as you get asked that question a little bit more, you kind of feel like I'm entitled now. I can, I can tweet yeah. something out right now. I can share what I feel. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. That's so important, like in school and everything. I, I wish, I would hope that maybe whoever watches this will now decide that they will ask people, what do they think? You know, so, how do they feel about things? Um, because um, opinions are important. I think, especially when you're a child, if you learn young that your opinion doesn't matter, there's just so many things that you'll never do because you think it doesn't matter. Yes. And I, I feel like, it's it's uh being raised that way that has uh produced so many people who come out uh insecure mm. or and or they have to put this facade on yeah so that they don't get hurt or whatever the case is so i think it's really important because i i think i don't know where i heard this but i think it was oprah said it mm. like we all just want to be seen and heard mm. and if we're not asking each other these questions how can we all be seen and heard we have to give out what we want to get to. Mm -hmm. what, right, to, add on to, to add on to what you said is balance, too, because a lot of times they feel like, I, when I say they, I mean the mainstream. They'll, they'll pick one voice over another. Mm -hmm. They'll spend some time, they'll spend a month on that voice, and then next month you don't even hear about that voice. It's a different voice yeah. now. But if you yeah. notice, we're all living at the same time. We've all got yeah. 24 hours in a day. We're all breathing, hopefully, you know. And... <laughs> we are all living like a live stream you know mm -hmm. we are a live stream of consciousness right now all of us wherever you are around the world we we are what we're live right so for us to think that we can't juggle those things and we can only fixate on one at a time is for me is it's outdated i i can think about a million things right now if i chose to think about now would i be focused in each one probably not so yeah. that's where the whole balance thing comes in right and what's hard about balancing those, because there's so many, right? So many voices. What's hard is that the moment that you give someone more voice than the other, that's when it gets tricky, right? So for example, then there's some people who don't talk at all. Yeah. Right? There's some, there's some, when I say people, I mean just people as human beings. There's some yeah. people who just don't, um, they don't even feel like they need a voice. You know what I mean? They don't feel like they need to operate via a voice. They can, they feel like they can do things, you know, on the down low or, or in mm -hmm. secret or in, invisible. And those are the folks that I'm kind of, I'm afraid of those. I'm concerned, I'm not afraid, but I'm concerned mm -hmm. of those folks who don't participate in the conversation because what's being left out is, is really like, for example, say we have a conversation about, um, 
like you said, right and wrong. Mm -hmm. We got 100 people, 99 people state their opinion. Let's say if we live in some, you know, we live in this perfect world where everyone had a voice. They all had five minutes to say what's on their mind, mm -hmm. right? And there was enough time to do it. And that one person stood back kind of like this and didn't say anything. Oh, I will be so concerned about that person. Yeah, like what are so you concerned. thinking? <laughs> the reason why I'd be concerned not to think any not to think anything malice about them, but to think, wait a second, what's on their mind? Because mm -hmm. there is a high chance that they might not they they might not agree with anything that's been said right now, and they're secretly doing something on the down low, mm -hmm. or they agree with everything you said, and they're not thinking for themselves. Mm -hmm. That's the that's the other spec that's the other end of the spectrum. So think about this, right? We're gonna I'm gonna put this in Facebook terms, right? Okay. We got Facebook. We got how many friends? I, I got, I, I just started again. I got maybe a hundred, you know, before I had a lot, a lot more, let's put it that way. But I got rid of it, came back. I have a hundred or so now, maybe in the, I don't even care, but say a hundred, <laughs> right? This uh -huh. kind of fits into the whole hundred thing. If I post something, right, Jennifer? And I post something, right? I'm thinking that my hundred friends are going to check, check, check this out, right? Because they're, they're friends, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I only get like one like on it. Now I might think this is, I could have this feeling. I could say to myself, you know what? Damn, no one loves me. No one's showing my page love. I only got one little like, right? Maybe, just maybe Jennifer, that's not even the case. Maybe I've been putting so much, I've been investing so much value because I created this value into this like button. But maybe, maybe 99 people saw it but they didn't press the like button because maybe they don't feel the need to like it. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're friends with you and they feel like, oh, anything he puts out, I'll just watch it my own time. Yeah. And then you start getting caught up into this thing that, oh, silence is bad, right? So that's one spectrum, right? Silence is bad. Now let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's, let's go to the other spectrum, right? Yeah. <laughs> what happens when all your friends, right? I'm talking about all your friends, all the people you follow on Facebook. I'm talking about Dwayne The Rock Johnson follows you right now. <laughs> Everyone likes your status. Now yeah. what happens? Yeah, what happens after What happens that? now? Now you got almost like the reverse feeling. You got, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, everyone likes my stuff. I must be authentic. I know what I'm talking about. I got the facts. I'm woke, you know, I'm everything. No one disagrees with me. If you have someone, if you have, if there's not one person that disagrees with you, or if there's not one person who sees things different from you, I will be afraid as well. Because the yeah, only person I know who can pull that off, Jennifer, is a dictator. Yeah, okay? exactly. If you can pull off no one criticizing <laughs> you or having their opinion or talking behind, you know, you got to be a dictator. Because I'll be afraid to open my mouth if you were a dictator. That's why I'm liking your post right now. Yeah. So it works both ways, right? It, on one end, you're like, damn, my self-love is down, right? I don't think anyone cares. On the other end, everyone cares. I must be right. You start getting this ego boost that you, yeah. you just made out of thin air. And it's no different when you look at any other thing that we just talked about. Like we go back to race again, right? Okay. All my black friends said they love what I said. Okay. Okay. That's nice. What, is, what does that mean? <laughs> oh, all my white friends and black friends said I got, I, I got everything down pat. I'm invincible now. Right? What do you do with that, though? What do you do with that? What does that even mean? Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? It, yeah. it, it's, it's virtually, I don't even say virtually, but it's, in my opinion, it's impossible to have everyone agree with something or everyone not agree with something. 
Yeah. Right. So if we're all into all in this together, that means we all might have different perspectives. We all might have different journeys. We all might have different pursuits. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? For example, if you talk about good and evil, mm -hmm. right? I wish it was that simple. I, I wish, wish it was. Can, I wish we can point out who's evil. Ugh, evil, yeah. right? And I wish we could point out good. That's a, that's a good person over there. And to some extent, you could, right? I mean, there's, like you said, everyone's going to have their understanding what good versus evil, right? So like in Star Wars, right? You got, you got Luke Skywalker and you got Darth Vader, right? But I start looking at what you're saying, Jennifer, and I start feeling for Darth Vader. I start thinking, damn, man, he, he had no parents. He got shipped off to Jedi school. Now he's working some, some he's a protege for his whole life. He has no critical thoughts. He gets these bad visions at night. He can't sleep. He, uh, he thinks that his, um, his children and his, his baby and his wife are going to die if he doesn't do X, Y, and Z. He gets manipulated by some old dude in a black cloak. And he's like, hey, man, if you just do this, you'll save your kids. But yeah. think about what just happened there. The, the bad guy, right? This guy, we know he's bad in the movie, right? Bad guy, right? Lord Sidious or whatever his name is. Bad dude, right? He's a bad dude. He's, he's a fake, too. He's a politician, right? And he also comes in. He manipulates. Um, I said Luke Skywalker. My bad. I meant Anakin Skywalker, right? Um, Darth Vader, right? I'm getting nerdy now, but um, hopefully the nerds are out there. They understand what I'm saying. So <laughs> you, got, you got Anakin Skywalker, good guy for his whole life. Had a lot of messed up stuff happen to him, right? But what happened? He started getting manipulated by this older guy. Or just, I don't even say older guy. Let's just say this dude, right? Gets manipulated by this dude, right? Because, not because he thinks, oh, yeah, dark side, the like dark side, cool, dude. I'm doing this because it's fun. No. Anakin, if I remember correctly, he does it to save his wife, um, Panamon, or his girlfriend. I don't remember if they're married at this point. But he, he does it to save them, and he saves his newborn child. That's why he did it. So yeah. let's, put this in, let's put this in real terms, Jennifer. Let's put this in real terms. Let Austin come back to real life. You come back, right? Let's talk, about, let's talk about Flatlands, where I'm from, right? Let's talk about where I'm from, right? So I don't want to, like, beef up with, like, Spanish, like, the El Barrio with us. You know, I don't got no beef, okay? Got no beef. All right. So I'm going to pick Flatlands. Let's talk about where I'm from. So in Flatlands, right, you have a kid. Say me. Let's just pick me as an example. Mm -hmm. um, let's pick the same exact situation, right? I have my... My family is not in the picture. My parents are not in the picture. Say something happens to it, it got into a car accident. I'm raised by myself. I'm raised by this older Jedi dude, right? And um, uh, instead of um, there's a, a, a thing that I keep waking up from, say it's a financial. Say, you know, um, I'm really struggling. My family's really struggling. Uh, we have no food on the table, right? And someone comes to me and says, hey, man, hey, come in, come in, come in. I'm like, yeah, what's up? Um, I know this guy's not too, you know, he's not the most well-loved person, whatever. But something about his character gra I gravitate towards, right? He says, hey, man, do you want to have food on your table? And I say, yeah, of course I want food on my table. Like, come on, man, who has to ask that? Who has to answer that? And he says, well, I have a way of doing that. I said, okay, well, okay, well, is this going to get me in trouble? Maybe, maybe I ask that question. Maybe I don't, right? He's like, nah, nah, it's real low-key. You know, all you got to do is take this, take this and bring it over here. Okay, so I'm a carrier. Okay, cool. What's in the bag? Oh, you know, it's some stuff. Okay, cool. Right. And now I know, okay, it's drugs, right? Maybe it's drugs. I become a carrier, right? Now what happens is the person giving me the stuff is not at risk, right? Nope. I'm at risk now. Now now I get caught up, right? Police officers find me with more than what was allowed to carry, right? And I'm here now. I'm going to go through the process now of going through this. But 
now, right, I'm in the system, I'm in the, I'm in the, I'm in custody, right, I'm behind the bars, right, now, am I a good guy, am I a bad guy, who gets to make that decision, right, now, to myself, okay, bad mistake, Austin, bad Austin, you made a bad mistake, you got fooled, you got suckered, you got played, right, yeah. but there's going to be some people, who, no matter what I do, they're going to look yeah. at me and say, you're a criminal, yeah. And you come out, I'm going to treat you like a criminal. And guess what? I'm, if it's a federal offense, I'm going to take away your right to vote. I'm going to take away your right to live in certain areas. I'm going to take away your right to open up something that you want to open up. You know, yeah. so when it comes down to that, the reason why a lot of, a lot of these crimes that we have, yes, let me, let me be clear. There's definitely violent crimes. There's definitely, okay. right, there's definitely right and wrong, for sure. But there's a lot in the middle. You got a lot of people committing crimes and you if you if you were to just look at what their crime was you started thinking like damn was that fair is that just you know what i mean like w- would i have done the same thing and like you said before the whole judgment thing before gets real slippery right you're like well i wouldn't do that because you know i was raised this way or you know and you can make a thousand and one excuses but the chances are did you walk in that person's moccasins you know you ever, remember exactly. that story you ever walked in someone's moccasins I've never heard that You ever walked in someone's shoes, you know? Have you ever walked a mile in someone else's shoes? Yes. That's it's true. And it's very difficult. Like, if you were to take someone else's shoes physically, take their shoes right now and pick anybody, you guarantee it. You're not, unless they have the same size as you, but guarantee Even you to feel a little funny in it, too. I did this That's once right. in gym class. I had a friend. I said, hey, can I, I don't have any sneakers today, and he's not going to let me play. I have boots on. He's like, sure, I have an extra pair in my locker. I said, okay, cool, I'm good. I should be fine, right? We're the same size. I put my foot in there, and even then, Jennifer, I felt like, this don't feel right. It, it wasn't right, yeah. It feels funky. I don't like it. So <laughs> do that with anybody's shoes, and you realize, you know what? I like my life. I, like, I can't judge if I'm not in their perspective. So, I mean, that's one way to look at it. I mean, it's probably other ways. But yeah. my whole point is, like, there's a lot of us in the middle. So what now? Same thing with religion. There's a lot of people in, in the middle. Like, uh, yeah. okay, I'm not 100% like left or right or this or that. Happens in politics too. They get caught up blue, red, same thing. A lot of people are in the middle. So yeah. we have to, as, as individuals or as communities, we have to say, I can't put an, ide- an ideology first in the forefront without understanding where I am in that ideology. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? For example, like if I, if I were to just use religion, for example, right? I'll, I'll, I'll say that I'm not a religious person. I'm going to tell you why. But I would say I'm a spiritual person. I would say that I do practice some form of faith or, form, mm-hmm. or some form of meditation or some form of enlightenment or some form of even prayer. You know what I'm saying? But I wouldn't say, this is just me personally. I'm not speaking for anybody else. I wouldn't say, hey, I'm a Christian or I'm a Catholic or I'm um, um or I'm from the nation of Islam. I would never say, I would never cling to one of those things unless I knew my position in those particular ideologies. And the reason why I wouldn't do that is because I don't know enough. I don't know enough about those religions because a religions is literally a set of things that you, can, you, that you do on a daily basis, right? You, you, you're, you're committed to it. It's something yeah. that you, it's a lifestyle, if I could put it that way. I don't want to offend anybody. But it's a lifestyle, same way a, g- a gymnast will do, you know, whatever they have to do athletically to get sure their. It's a lifestyle. This is not. 
it's not something you do one day and say, all right, I'm going to be Christian tomorrow. You know, it's, it's yeah. a lifestyle. It's a way of living. It's a way of being. And that's what culture is at the end of the day. So for yeah. me, my way of being hasn't found uh, a, a title yet. I mean, at least in my regards, I might be leaning more towards maybe uh, a, a Abra uh, Abrahamic more religions more than say uh, maybe Buddhist or maybe say some uh, or maybe Buddh Hinduism because I don't know enough. So yeah. I could never claim that my religion is the right religion and my because I don't know my point in it. You know what I mean? I don't know yeah. my point. In it. So what I do and just for fun and and for giggles. Um, is I try to read a little bit of everything. And I'll be honest with you, I, I read a lot of religious texts just, just, to, just to see where they are coming from. And they all seem to seem, say the same thing. They all seem to say, hey, be cool with one another, don't kill, don't, you know, don't judge, don't cast the first stone. You know, I mean, they all have their own ways of doing it, but they, a lot of them agree in a lot of ways and some things they don't agree on. But that's what's interesting is to know those things before you commit to something to say, hey, this is a, I'm, this is exactly where I'm at. Because then when you make that statement, you're kind of putting people off in the sense where you're kind of misleading people. You know, and I'll give, it, I'll give you one example and I'll stop talking because I'm talking too much. <laughs> Malcolm X, right? He, he was part of the nation of Islam, right? Mm -hmm. Something happened where he didn't see eye to eye on a few things with the, 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 the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, right? And he, he, he started to branch off, but he still considered himself a Muslim though. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So he saw himself in that. He saw his, he figured out where he was in that, in that ideology. Yeah. And, you know, and it's sad that we didn't get to see, you know, what would have come of it. But same thing with Martin Luther King. He's like, um, he knew his role in his ideology. Yeah. You know I mean? and that's, that's so important. You know? Yeah. It's really important. I think also too, um, just for my, like my journey, um, you can't, practice your religion i don't like to call it a religion i like to say that i'm a follower of christ because i don't mm -hmm. i think it's it's totally different um because i believe i have a relationship with christ it's not a religion right mm -hmm. but if you're trying to follow something in the way somebody else tells you you have to do it mm -hmm. of course it's not going to become part of your ideology so you have to you have to walk in it as yourself and get the information for yourself Mm -hmm. and see how it pertains to you because if you you know if i for example if i try to be a christian like um i don't know if you know who joyce meyer is if i try to be joyce meyer i i can't because i'm jennifer mm, i see what you because you have a different relationship with christ like you said yeah and, and it's a different journey i can't expect to walk into it like just mm -hmm. walk into it and be feel like me and Jesus are best friends, right? Because you don't you don't know because mm -hmm. you just walked in. You just you know. So I think it's really important to know your place and know what you're, you know, what you're trying to do. What's what's the goal, right. um, and and what's your truth in it, right? Um. So, like I said, I don't try to impose my religion on anybody, mm -hmm. um, because you can't and like you said also too like a lot of a lot of them they believe the same things right which is funny but, right yeah it's it's I funny mean, because a lot of times there's some people in those sects where they feel like no we're totally different which is yeah like, where's that coming from yeah. yeah and i like i don't know how to say it but mm -hmm. for for me like i 
also another thing that what I would say is sometimes uh, you believe in something and it's what you believe in. People mm-hmm. will, people who aren't a part of it will tell you it's wrong because it goes against what they believe. Mm-hmm. So that's something too to take into consideration. Um, I, you know, I my family they practice a different religion, mm-hmm. and um, I I I know religion can be a touchy subject, right? Especially mm-hmm. in families. And so um, I've never like come in like, you gotta, you know, gotta follow Jesus. You gotta do this. You gotta do that. Like, I don't, I don't do that to anyone. Um, But like, they would just, um, you know, that's wrong. That's this, that's that. I'm like, well, how are you going to tell me that it's wrong if it's not even something that you believe in? Right. So it's that part. Yeah. What you said there is like, how do you know? Like, it goes back to what we said earlier, right? How do you know what you know? right um i think it was michelle i hope i say his name right i always say michael but i think his name is pronounced michelle foucault um and and one of the things he talks about i think this one was specifically about prisons and stuff and 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 industrial complex but he was talking about how do you know the information that you know um and to what degree do you know it and and what does that knowledge serve you so if you believe x y and z and you say that you feel it is absolute i guess the question that i have for those people is that have you collected enough data to where you know for sure 100 percent that there is that there's there's proof in the pudding right there's proof that yes this is the right way to do it and i started looking at like like touchy subjects like this via like an engineer's mindset i had an opportunity once to, to work with some engineers from bmcc it was an engineering club and they kind of needed like a writer. So I, I filled in the, the club role as the secretary and I did all their notes. I did all their um, stuff like that. And, I, and I, I took pictures and I documented all the stuff that they were working on. And we had a great relationship because I got to learn math. They got mm-hmm. to learn, you know, some writing techniques and, you know, some writing things that I was doing. So, and they learned how to, art, they learned how to better articulate themselves and better, um, share their ideas amongst an audience. Cause usually they enter competitions and they'll be like, um, this is what we have, check it out. You know, and that was it. It was really no explaining what this is. And a lot of people just pass their booth and it's like, yeah, whatever, those guys don't know what they're talking about. So um, I started thinking, I started seeing how they thought about things, right? So if you ask an engineer, right? Um, okay, let me, I'll take for example, like the GoPro, right? Okay. They say, oh, Austin, um, we have a problem, right? The problem is that we want to put this and we want to attach it to the GoPro. Okay, but the issue is that there's no, there's no hole here, right? So they're like, all right, well, you can't screw it in. Like, you can't do that. So, okay, maybe we need a drill. Okay, do we have a drill? Next engineer says, no, we don't have a drill. We have a drill, but it is not the right bit. We don't have the right size. So the engineer thinks, 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 and he says, oh, I got an idea. How about we, uh, we glue it? We got glue? Yeah, we got glue. All right, let's put the glue in there. Let's put it in. Let's tighten it up real quick, right? What I'm getting at here is that the engineer sees a problem, doesn't run away from it. Sees a problem, right? Or a challenge, I'll say challenge. Sees a challenge, doesn't get, um, doesn't, doesn't feel like they have to run away from it. Doesn't feel like um, they're discouraged. Mm-hmm. Instead, they look at that as an opportunity to, to, to understand it, one, two, to embrace it, two, mm-hmm. and three, to, um, if there is a problem, to figure out how to go about that problem. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if I, when I took that engineering mindset and I started applying to these touchy subjects, I started thinking, well, all right, well, if I'm absolute about like, say, uh, a religion, for example, or race or politics, right? I'll say politics, right? I think that one for me is a little easier to explain for myself. I started thinking like, okay, but which candidate is just going to do the job? You know what I mean? Like, I don't care because I was registered Democrat. So I said to myself, all right, well, I guess I got to go blue or go home. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, blue or go home. You know, and I'm like, all right, well, what if I don't like anybody on the blue side and I happen to like someone who's purple? You know, I like someone who's an independent or, or a green party or whatever. Will my vote still count? And believe it or not, they don't. If you're not registered as a as whatever party you are, it doesn't vote, doesn't count. So I started thinking, then I started, that's when the engineering mindset came again and say, okay, well, I'll look at this as an opportunity now. Let me embrace this problem. I have a problem. I don't feel comfortable picking either red or blue. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm somewhere else, maybe green party, white, uh, the independent party, uh, who knows? And I said, all right, well, how does one join the independent party? How does one, you know, uh, submit enough votes or have a caucus or, or, a committee or whatever the case may be. So I started learning about the, the political system. And that's when it started making more and more sense to me or more clearer to me. Ah, in this country, you can't do that unless you have X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I started thinking, oh, okay, that's why I was so ignorant about this before. And this is why I thought I just had to go blue or go home. Mm-hmm. So if you do this with anything, mon- anything you don't know, I, I'll challenge the audience. Try this um, engineering mindset with anything you don't know. I, I would say pick the thing that you're interested in and start there. You know, if you're interested in um, painting, right? Okay, well, what don't you know about painting? All right, what tools do you need? How do people do it? How have been people doing it for thousands of years? Okay, maybe you think this, right? Try it out, see if you master it. If you can master it, maybe you can critically think for yourself and do something that hasn't been done before. Who knows? I don't know. I can't put it past you. You know, my saying is never doubt a human because at the end of the day, once you become a master of something, who says you can't innovate it? You know, who says you can't take it to the next level? Or who says you have to even do the thing that you started with? Maybe you're, like you said, you had a thousand blogs before. Mm-hmm. Who said you can't make another one? Because this one fits the purpose now. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So tell me about the blog. Let's go back to the blog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, um, I, I, what were you going to say? Oh, please, please. Tell me more about oh. this blog. Like, uh, like, what's your schedule like? Um, how do you produce it? You know, what's your fun parts about it? What's your parts that you're like, ah, I wish I had more help on this or, you know. Yeah. Well, I would say um, the fun part is the writing because I just, I, I like doing that. Um, the hard part is sometimes coming up with topics to, topics. to write about. Um, for a long time, I was a very... Um, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like silly, but like I didn't think about a lot of things, right? So yeah. like now it's all about. Now I'm thinking about all these things, and so like, what am I gonna write about? And um, so it's that, and also sometimes I put a lot of pressure on myself because I I'm a I'm a low key perfectionist, which is it's it's hard when you're a perfectionist because it's like. Um, either you do you obsess about it until you get it right or if you don't feel like you get it right then you don't do it at all so it's just it's a sticky place to be so I'm trying to like get out of that place um, but um, my blog is basically I'd like to call it like um, I'd like to say it's like searching for gold you go there and you just take what you need 
you find your little gold nugget and you take it and you do what you want with it. Um, I also like, I am a very like silly individual. So I don't always want to be like talking about like, you know, like the serious things. I want to talk about fun things. Yes. Um, I'm actually like working on a blog now where I want to talk about this, mm-hmm. uh, this one day um, that I just, I lost my composure because I was about to meet this guy that I met on the internet. Right. And I thought he was so beautiful and I was so nervous. And that whole day, like every time I talk about it, people are like, why are you so silly? Because I had like my family meet me in certain places. So I like, it was just crazy. So like, I, 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 I wanted to be a place for real people. Right. I don't want someone to come and be like, Oh, I can't read this because it's too much about this or it's too much. I mean, it's my faith will always be the center of it. Mm. And, you know, I will always bring it back to Jesus. Mm. But um, I just want it to be a place where people can relax. That's cool. I like that. Especially that we need that. We need that balance, right? Yeah. Yeah. And what's, well, I just want to give you a shout out because um, I know you're right next to me, but (laughs) I want to give you a special like, like clap because I was watching one of your Instagram and like you said, the silliness came out and I said, oh, what's, what's this going to be about? Like, it was like a tutorial and I, you were like how to apply chapstick or something like that or how to moisturize your lips or something. And I legit, this is how believable you were, Jennifer. I legit (laughs) watched that video three times check the comments check the you know the description I'm like is she did it just get trolled right now like is she sweet is she serious or did like or am i'm so dumb right now that i thought that this was like i thought she's really trying to educate me how to put some chapstick on right and i'm like oh man she got me and then i watched it again and i started laughing again oh i just started laughing like full blown laughing like wow she got me that's how good it was that's oh, how good that's how good the the joke was that it was so ingrained in like satire like oh like this is how you do it and i was like wait does she have like does she know something i don't know am i doing it the wrong way like am i supposed to start from the top or the bottom or like am i missing something here and and i tell you jennifer like that made my day and that was a silly one that you posted you posted another one that wasn't serious i mean wasn't silly at all it was serious talking about um white power that someone yelled it out or something and you said you were angry and then you said wait a second you had that pause and then you had this this is like this epiphany moment where you on instagram you're like um maybe you say you could say it better I'll, you know what i'll let you say that part better but you, you tell me what like when you had when you're talking about that serious moment what was like the the the, the after effect of that what was the result for you well i because Largely, my thought process, I always refer back to God. And I was, I've recently been learning just about how the things, like, a lot of people like to uh, blame people for what they do, right? So what we believe is that it's a, it's a spiritual battle, right? Mm. So it's like, it's not, it's, I can't be angry at them, right? Because they're doing what they're influenced to do, just like I'm doing what I'm influenced to do. Right. So I had to remember, like, it makes no sense for me to get angry and, you know, uh, throw a fit, start saying all these bad things and stuff, because I, I know what's at play. And because I know what's at play, then I need to get in my position 
and do what I need to do um, to move forward, which for me was to realize that and pray. Like that, that was my, my uh, opinion of the solution. So that, that's what it was for me because um, it was so easy to get angry Mm -hmm. and be like you know because I was like really thinking like if I because also too I don't know if this happens to you or to anybody who's listening you can get like one little thought and it just like snowballs and it just it goes left real quick you know Mm -hmm. and I was just thinking well I was about to go get a soda and if I was out there and she said that I would smack her in the face I would have did this I would have did that and it's like why am I putting all that negativity out there you know That's exactly what it is it's negativity right yeah so i don't want to be a part of the negativity um mm-hmm. i almost didn't even want to mention it but like mm-hmm. at that point in the week it's just it was so heavy like mm-hmm. everything that was going on it was real heavy and i was I, like i had never heard that before like i live in harlem mm-hmm. and like i was like and she walked down i'm like this woman did not want to live like what was wrong like and then i started to think like what was going on with her? Yeah, like, what's up with her? <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me look at what right there. <laughs> like, what, what she, like, because you don't, you don't, like, you don't do something like that and not think about the repercussions of it. Like, yeah, right. you know, to come into the ghetto, you don't, I mean, I'm not saying, like, all ghettos are like this, but you don't know who's out there. Mm-hmm. You don't know how they feel about things, and you don't know what people are capable of. Mm-hmm. So I was like, something must have been real wrong with her. Like something, she must have been sad or angry or something. Who knows? Like, Who knows? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah, and that it's it's and it's funny because I I do believe that God works in mysterious ways. And when mm-hmm. I heard that, I was coming, I was coming back from getting uh, dinner for my mm-hmm. girlfriend and I, and we're going. Well, I, I'm I'm actually she's home. I'm actually I actually I was actually walking back home, okay. and. It's funny because something told me that, oh, I think I missed the block that I was supposed to turn down. So I said, okay, uh, I guess I'll just take the next one. This should be the right one. Mm-hmm. Turns out that it wasn't the right block. I walked down this block and it took me like maybe two blocks out from where, where my girlfriend lives. So I walked mm-hmm. and I said to myself, oh, something's going to happen. I feel it. I just feel it. Right. And I got to the corner. There was one individual there, and he was kind of like looking. He was like scoping out people on the side. And I said, "Okay, he probably, what is he going to ask me? He's going to ask me something, right?" And first, he had asked me. He came up to me like kind of aggressively, and he said, "You speak English?" And right away, that turned me off. I'm like, "Damn." Yeah. I'm like, "Yeah, I speak. I speak. I, I speak pretty good. I speak pretty good." Right? So, <laughs> but I ain't paying no mind. I want huh? <laughs> so I did the hot face, and I crossed the street. And there's another individual there too. I'm like, oh, what are these guys together? What's going on? <laughs> so my street sense is like, it's it's on it's like red right now. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm about to go down. <laughs> and um, I'm walking. There's a bigger guy now. Now he's he's at least six something. I mean, I'm a small guy. I'm five four. But you know, six six foot guys like whoa, giant. Yeah. The guy was around my height, so I wasn't too like okay, I could handle. I think I could handle it. Yeah. This guy was you big too, and I, I said to myself, "Oh man, he's gonna ask me something too. What is he gonna ask me?" So the guy said, "Hey, let me holler at you a second. And I, just the way he came off was real; it was aggressive too. And I said, uh, "Can I do the? Can I do the? Ah, how do you say? <laughs> can I do the thing? I don't know what you're saying." And he looked at me, and he's like, "Man, fucking faggot!" And I said, and it was so funny at the moment. I didn't even feel upset at the time. I was like. 
hmm, where the hell did that come from, right? <laughs> I just, I literally just watched your video. Before okay. I walked down that block, I finished watching your video. And oh, I said, wow. yeah, literally, I literally, once I got down that block, I had finished the Instagram video. I said, oh, that's cool. Good job, Jennifer. Right? And I was gonna, I was trying to write something like cool. Like, I was like, I, I think I wrote something. I don't remember what I wrote, but I was trying to write this long, like in-depth paragraph, like, yo, this is great stuff. Da, 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 right? I was trying to give you like praise. And I was, I didn't know. So I kept rewriting it. And it got to the point where all that happened. And it was so funny because it was very similar to what you said, like how you felt so angry at first, right? And you could have been like, I want to throw a soda can. I want to throw a soda can at her, right? All you just wanted was a soda, right? And I'm thinking like, damn, I have food. Like, I could have just threw the food at him. Like, yo, what are we talking about? Could have like, yeah. this is this big guy, right? This is big, six foot, <laughs> like, you know, muscle guy. Could squash me a bit. And I'm like, I don't know, jujitsu. Like, I, don't, I mean, I've seen some stuff. I don't know that. And yeah. that, it was funny because I didn't even feel hurt because I heard what you said. You were talking about a spiritual battle. You were talking about, you know, right and wrong. You were talking about like, don't put that negativity out there. So I literally did the, huh? I did the, <laughs> I did the face. He said, he said his thing. And I said, okay, well, that's it. I said, all right, well, that was it. Like, that was the most, I'm not hurt right now. I could be bleeding or something. I could be robbed or whatever. I could be stabbed. Who knows, right? Mm -hmm. So I walked down and I'm thinking like, man, I don't, even though he said something really bad, I'm like, I don't feel like, haven't had watched your video. I don't feel, I don't feel, I don't feel like this really affected me. So I wound up telling my girlfriend later, I said, hey, you know, I was walking down the block. This is what happened. I told the story. And I said, yeah, and I was, I was just like that. And she's like, okay, cool. And I was like, oh, okay, well, damn. Good thing I listened to this video because I could have been in jail right now. I could have been, or I could have been hurt. You know, it the conversation would have been like, why'd you do that? Man, you stupid. Why did you, why you let the little word like that get you upset? And I'm like, if that's the conversation I probably would have had if I did something crazy. Yeah. I mean, so I have to say thank you for, oh, for just, I mean, I know you intentionally did it and do it, but you, like my point is here, anyone who's listening, you never know how your work is going to affect somebody. It could be negative. It could be positive. And to be honest with you, when I clicked on your thing and you, you were talking about what this lady said, I was like, oh man, because that week was heavy, right? We just had George Floyd. It was heavy. And I said to myself, man, this is, do I want to watch another thing? Like, cause remember I'm consuming all this stuff now, right? I'm yeah. thinking, do I want all this negativity? But something said, nah, Jennifer's going to spin it. She's going to put some positivity on it. She's going to put the positive spin on it. And I said, you know what, let me, I need this right now. And I pressed it and not to, not to like, you know, blow horn, blow, uh, blow your horn or whatever the expression is, but it really got me out of something. Like I could have easily gotten upset. Like you said, easily gotten upset. And I don't know, to be honest with you, I don't know if I would have reacted the same way had I not watched your video. Because I laughed. I laughed at, I laughed on how you were getting, I, I was trying to picture you throwing a soda at somebody. And I'm like, Jennifer, nah. I'm like, I mean, I know she can handle her business. I mean, but damn. I mean, so I, you never know. You never know how your art or whatever, your creation is going to impact the world. You just never know. Even if your attention is great, you just never know how it's going to affect. So it's very, as an artist's job, you always have to be on the, on the lookout of like, Man, I don't know. I know you had that perfectionist that you talked about before, like, but you just, I, I'm glad that you take those precautions because who knows, maybe you put something out and, and, and it did the opposite effect on me. And I'm like, ah, I do something everybody. <laughs> you know, I, because I really, I really rock with what you're saying. Yeah. So you just never know. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's super important. I'm, I'm so happy that you're, you're taking, you're in this journey now where you're writing stuff, you have this blog, you're thinking about writing another one that's more on the silly side. 
You know, I mean, you have, you know, you're speaking your truth via your faith and, you know, and I just, I, I'm just so happy to see that because it's hard to live your truth. In this world, it is so hard to live your truth because you know the judgment's going to come, but it's just so hard to do it and feel right, you know, and feel yeah. good about it. That's why earlier I was saying, like, who cares about those likes? Who cares about if 100 likes, one like, it doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. it, that doesn't matter. At the end yeah. of the day, are, you know, are you able to vent? Are you able to meet a community of people who can share this exchange with you? Like, they don't have to be in the same, they don't have to believe everything you say. But can they have the conversation with you is what I, I, I've been learning more often. Like, can they, can they, rock yeah. can they have that conversation? Yeah. You know, are they it's willing to hear to... you? Yeah. Are they willing to hear you even though they don't have nothing in common with you maybe, you know, but. Exactly. Yeah. It's about being human and like uh, not thinking of yourself um, holier than thou or thinking of yourself above anybody. It's about understanding that we're all human and we're all having human experiences and just because your bad human experience happened three years ago and theirs happened today mm -hmm. you're still no different because you both had the same experience right right if anything we should share those experiences with people exactly to say hey this is just my story this is my experience you know maybe if something will resonate like for day i didn't know that a lot of us i didn't know we had so much in common you know i didn't know that our childhoods were very similar in many ways so that's the thing, like not knowing is, 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 is a good thing because maybe it will spark that curiosity to know, no matter how scary it might be. You know, and when I started this podcast, I was afraid because I used to think that, man, I don't know if I can carry a conversation with someone that I don't really understand or, or maybe someone who has a totally different opinion to me. And like you said, it's like about listening and it's about walking a mile in their shoes if you, if you can, um, metaphorically speaking, because we mm -hmm. can't physically. Um, but it would be nice if, if, if there was just an opportunity to be like, at least I heard what they had to say. Yeah. At least I could say I lived my life and I said, at least I had, I didn't shut that person out. I actually heard what they had to say. And, and I'm glad they gave me the opportunity to speak too. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed is that I used to argue a lot, like growing up, I used to argue with people, debates, all this stuff, right? No, you're wrong, right? And I started thinking like, once you get, I learned that once you get to an argument, conversation is over like you failed yeah. you failed you ultimately failed um, the only reason why you should be raising your voice is if you're trying to like if there's a fire fire you know that's <laughs> the, the only reason why you should be raising your voice to really grab someone's attention and i learned that raising my voice doesn't mean i have control over the conversation mm -hmm. all i learned is that makes me just look real ridiculous at the day especially if someone got you on camera doing it looking <laughs> reckless out there yeah. And to add on to that, it's like, um, I realized that, you know, you can raise your voice all you want. That doesn't, that doesn't make you heard. And same thing with this pro with protesting and everything else. You could yell all you want, but what are your actions, right? What are your actions that are coming down, right? I could have yelled at my professor. Ah, you racist. Blah, 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 blah. I could have went off the mouth, right? Mm -hmm. that, would, that wouldn't have done anything. You know, yeah. I, mean, have done, I mean, I would have felt good for two seconds, maybe. You know, I would have felt real good for like two seconds. But then after that, you know, I guess you pick and choose your battles. But, you know, for the most part, it's really, it's unnecessary. Unless you're at war. And then even then, you probably won't even use, you won't have to yell at somebody at that point. You just have all your business. But, yeah. I mean, hopefully, I mean, war is like the last resort. And you probably, you fit all has failed at that point. But you can avoid, <laughs> you can avoid it all costs. It was good. Cause I used yeah. to be afraid of confrontation. I used to be afraid of, 
of speaking my mind and then someone like gets all in your face about it you know mm-hmm. and i used to think like well i'll just like like i was a people person just like you like i'll just say yeah yeah i agree with you yeah yeah because <laughs> i was trying to take the safe route but yeah. i realized like sometimes you just can't sometimes I'll, most of the time you have to just keep your speak to your speak your truth and yep. if rocking with it then you know okay we can't have this conversation with that person they're just never gonna really see me for who i am so you got to stop trying to please these people. Same yes. thing with anything else that we're dealing with life. If I'm dealing with oppression from another racial, with a racial group, you know, I, I can't keep spoon feeding them and say like, respect me, respect me, respect me, respect me. They're, they're going to make the decision on their own, whether I, if I have anything to do with it or not. Now, if I can convert them and, and see me as a human being, then that's great. And hey, congratulations, you did it. But mm-hmm. if I can't do that, then you know it's 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 sad it's sad but you, we would have to just maybe not hang out together too much <laughs> yeah no you're right. you're definitely right i think um what i would say is um it's a, it's really important to speak your truth um like you said mm-hmm. understand that not everybody's going to understand it or want to believe what you believe but at the end of the day you go to sleep with yourself at night and are you going to be happy that's so true. And if you're always trying to please everything and our, our, sometimes we do it to our alter egos too, like in a sense mm-hmm. where we have this ideal, what, who, who's the ideal Austin or the ideal, um, right? We try to live up to this, this baby false model of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I know you mentioned, um, you know, weight before, I, you know, I, I'll tell you a little, I'll be candid with you. You know, when I was younger, I, I thought, man, I, I really want to gain weight. Like I always wanted to like, I always felt like, I always kind of felt low key, like malnutrition, like some degree. Mm-hmm. And I always said to myself, man, if, if I can just gain weight, I'll feel better about myself. So I started getting into sports and stuff and I started working out, you know, working out, <laughs> eating, eating like proteins and stuff that would get me mm-hmm. some body fat. And to be honest with you, I was no happier than I was before. And then that's when I realized that I had to be happy with who I was and who I wanted to be. So if I wanted to be someone who was um, healthy, cool. If I wanted to be someone who was uh, trying to get six-pack abs, cool. <laughs> but it shouldn't have been to the degree where I felt bad about what I saw in the mirror. Yeah. You know? and, and with all the things going on as far as like how we feel about ourselves on, a, on, a, on an everyday balance, so many of us deal with depression. So many of us deal with um, anxiety. I suffered, I know for sure, with anxiety just always being on edge all the time and not being able to um, take a breath or just relax, always feeling like I was that, you know, that saying back then, um, we have to work twice as hard to do what they do. Right. That mm-hmm. whole, that whole, well, what it really means. And this is what I learned from Dick Gregory. Dick Gregory was saying that when you tell a child that what you're telling them that you're twice as dumb, that that child is twice as dumb than the, say the quote unquote, the white, the white student. And that's what it really does to students. That's what it really does to children or anybody. If you say, Oh, you have to work twice as hard because they get it easier than you. You're basically saying that I, the child doesn't understand what you, what you say, they hear what you say. So it's a, it's yeah. a different reality to it. Yeah. So I used to think that I had to work twice as hard. I was never happy with just putting out anything, especially with this podcast. I was like, I don't want to just put out a podcast with whack, whack audio, or whack, um, you know, green screen or whatever. I always thought it had to be perfect. It had to be perfect. It had to be perfect. And a lot of times I would derail myself from doing anything. And then that's when I started thinking like, wait a second, who am I doing this for? The people I rock with don't care about that. The people who are watching my videos or people I have on, my guests, they don't care about that. You know what they care about? They care about having a conversation, 
and and just having this moment, you know, yeah. via podcast. And that's and that's what it's about, you know. And I started thinking like, okay, eventually when things get better and I can make some living a living off of it, then of course I'll have all the great the camera, the this, the that, this, that. And I always thought, man, if I didn't have those things, no one's gonna take me serious. No one's gonna think I'm a professional. Mm-hmm. And sadly enough, when you are a person of color, we always kind of have that edge on us for the most part. Even when we have jobs, when we have when we work where we work, or or when we submit essays and we do X, Y, and Z, we always feel like we have to be like, we have to put out the, the, the extreme best. And that's great. Don't get me wrong. I do want to be the best version of myself, but it comes to a point where it's unattainable. It comes to a point yeah. where it's like, how do I, what I, I'm doing it for, I'm doing it for you to accept me. Mm-hmm. And that's wrong. For me, it's wrong. Yeah. Like I'm, I shouldn't be doing this for you to accept me as a human being. I should be yeah. doing this because I just want to be a dope human being. You know, yeah. I, mean, I want to show my other gender. I want to show the younger generation, or or my family, or my friends. Hey, you can do this too. Exactly. You can do this. You know, what I mean, you can do your own podcast. You can do whatever there is that they're into. You know, what I mean, you don't have to be look like this or act like this or, or or come from this neighborhood to do this thing. Do it. You know, what I mean, and and us by writing our own stories and by creating our own material or whatever it is that you're into. Like I was just talking to Mia Sodi not too long ago, mm-hmm. and she does her paints and sips. She does canvases. And she, I, when I was listening to her talk about the community that she built around her love and her passion, I was like, wow, I wish that I got it. I got to have her on because it was like it, a lot of people think, oh, she's not like doing anything big or she's like, oh, she's she's, you know, a Latino woman. All right. So what? Like and I said, no, 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 no. We got to change that narrative. We have to highlight our own people. We have to yes. highlight our friends, our families, when they do something, like do something that's cool, you know, and that's yeah. like, and, and passing down that knowledge. You know, she yeah. got real excited when she started talking about the paints and talking about the, um, the canvases and, and, and the works that she's working on. She even brought them out. She brought them out. She showed us. Yeah. And I'm like, man, the pride that I have right now to see that, because like you said before, we weren't, enc- a lot of us, a lot of times we're not encouraged to do those things. I used to think that writing was just for girls. You know, I thought that yeah. was like, a shameful thing to do until I started writing until my professor Juan Frankis, um, good guy from Kingsborough Community College mm-hmm. said to me hey you ever thought about writing first time I ever, I ever heard that hey you ever thought about writing same way your professor told you hey what's your thoughts on this what's your thoughts on that yeah. what do you think about that so yeah. like it, we we if, if we're, it could for example when I go to other YouTubers and I go to other websites and stuff like that I said like who their guest you know who's yeah. their guest it ain't me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it does, it's not people like us. So it's going to be, yeah. people that they, they know. So I said yeah. to myself, all right, well, you know, I want to make sure that I have a broad enough audience that I could talk to a Jewish man. I could talk to you. I could talk to someone like me. I could talk to someone who has I no clue what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. I want to broaden that horizon. Cause guess what? When they're on the show, someone else who looks like me or comes from where I come from or has the same background or whatever or similar, they can say, I could do that too. I don't just have to stick to my own culture. I don't just have to stick to my own ideology. I don't have to stick to my own religion. I don't have to stick to my own height. You know, imagine if I only had short people on the show. It would be stupid. <laughs> you couldn't tell who was short and who wasn't short. So yeah. that's the weird thing. I can only have Latinos on the show. That would be like, for me, that would be like, I don't see the purpose in that. I don't see yeah. how that's breaking any ground. That's not being innovative. And that's not definitely challenging myself. If I already yeah. know all the stuff that you know, you know what I mean? Exactly. How am I expanding my mind? I'm not. And this, the challenging part is the ones that scare you the most. Like I was afraid to have 
I was afraid to go outside. At first, I was afraid to go outside of my comfort zone. I was afraid to have conversations and then post them. I was afraid. I was afraid of what people might think. I was afraid of how my guests might feel. They, would they be my friends afterwards? You know, I thought like, oh my God, I might lose so many friends because they're going to finally realize, oh my God, Austin's been thinking that the whole time. That guy's crazy. But luckily enough, I, I've met, I've actually gained some friends because of what I'm doing. And like you said, you're That's living, awesome. you're, you're living that. So I, I just want to say thank you so much for following your path and, and following your journey um, to the T, you know, like, even though you have some doubts here and there about, you know, your this is good and I, I'm just so happy. Every time I see you post something or you put your blog out there, I mean, I, I have stopped by your blog. I would like okay. to stop by more often just to check out some, some of the content there. Um, and uh, I know I definitely watch your Instagram um, stories for sure. They're just right. Yeah. I'm like, I can't be that lazy not to watch it now. and um yes please please um if you ever want to do this podcast again and you want to plug something that you're working on or you want to show something that um you created in the past or or you want to give a more in-depth like uh understanding to like say this one blog that you've written and what was the process or anything you want to nerd out about whatever you're doing you are welcome to do it here so i just want to thank you so much on the record i never feel like oh man i gotta i gotta wait for austin to text me again no text me say hey i want to do another one of these i got something cooking i got a book or i got this i know i'm gonna be on the cover of new york times i need you to put this out there all right oh i'm gonna put that we're gonna we're gonna send that little last message you said up to the lord to be Uh a bestseller yeah never feel yeah i'm sorry sorry Oh, no, I was just going to say, I am working on writing a book because, you know, I tell people about what I've been through. They're like, you should write a book. And I said, you know what? You're right. I should write a book. So I am working on that. Um, I'm in the very beginning stages. Okay. Well, when it comes down to the book writing stuff, you always got me as a... And uh, hopefully what you said will come true. (laughs) Oh, I'm so sorry. I think I lost you there for a second. You did. You froze for a minute. Please say what exactly what you, if you, if you can remember exactly what you said. I think I told you. I saw your face and I thought uh-huh. it was live, but then I realized that when you did the, the little glitch. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but please, uh, what were you saying? I, I'm sorry. Um, I said, what was the last thing you heard? Last thing, ah, see, good questions. Good questions could get better answers, right? Um, last thing I heard was you're working on a book, but it's in the beginning stages. That's where I think I last heard. Yeah. So, yeah, I am working on writing. Um, I don't know how long it's going to be, but I am working on a book um, about my life and what I've been through and what has gotten me through. So once that is done, I would love to come back on the podcast and talk oh, about it. And great. then maybe what you said will, will happen. It will manifest and I will be a New York Times bestseller. That would be great. That'd be dope. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, along with that, and then thank you for, for, for taking up that uh taking up that offer um along with that um if you need eyeballs to look at it remember i work at the writing center so i have some nerds of my own that yes. i tap into and say hey i need you to look at uh jennifer's stuff real quick can you just get a quick read tell me your thoughts um and these folks are really they're nerds like 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 me like they're nerds mm-hmm. like us where they'll nitpick and they'll they'll say hey you ever thought about writing from this person or so I had a question for you because I'm a nerd. I wanted to know, are you going to make it 
because you said in the early beginnings, so I don't want to influence, I don't want to influence anything, but mm-hmm. is it going to be like a full blown autobiography or is it going to be, or is it going to be a character that just happens to live through the things that you've been through, but it's fictionalized? Um, I think I'm going to make an uh, autobiography. Okay. That's yeah. cool. Is yeah. there any autobiographies that you really enjoyed? Um, maybe in your readings, is there anybody that comes to mind that maybe you've come across and you're like, man, that was a good, that was a good read. I'm glad I read that person's mind. Oh man. You know, um, I didn't, I didn't, he, uh, read it, read it, but I listened to it. Um, becoming the Michelle Obama story. Michelle Obama becoming. Okay. Yeah. That was a really good one. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it really, it inspired me to know that you can like what I said from the very beginning, how like just because you start off one place, you mm. don't have to end up in mm. another, you know what I mean? So yeah. like, okay. for example, for me, like, you know, I had that, my, you know, my, mm. uh, I would say traumatic childhood, but it, you know, I'm, I'm not there. Right. Because I could be angry. I could be bitter. I could be so mm. many things I could have not, you know, Mm-hmm. graduated college i could have been a, a, you know not doing anything yeah you could have um, been a statistic right as they say right yeah yeah but i didn't you know because i didn't let my past dictate my future mm-hmm. so um that's something that um i really enjoyed about her book just seeing like what she's been through and she also had a documentary on netflix that i watched mm-hmm. um and i i'm really inspired by her and um I'm like, I, I really truly believe that we don't have to end up like the people before us or like what people say we're going to be. We can, we can mm-hmm. excel in our own right. Absolutely. And probably done via our own way that works best for us. Right. Yes. Um, thank you for putting a book shot out there. Um, um, that's, that's cool. Um, the books that came to mind, I'm thinking of autobiographies that I remember was um, like George Carlin, the comedian. Um, okay. I was very interested in his um, wordplay on stage. So I figured why not read his autobiography. Mm-hmm. Um, I read Obama's uh, autobiography too. Um, okay. That was very interesting. Um, I haven't read Michelle Obama's yet. I know Caddy, I know Caddy um, has a, a copy. Yeah. Maybe I could borrow from her one day. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I could just order it too, I guess. Um, and maybe I could listen to it. Like you said, maybe that'd be a good, good route to go. But uh, it, it's, I think autobiographies are cool because you get to see that. You get to see it in words. And, and if there's pictures, even better, because I'm a big, I like pictures too. Yeah. Um, they have pictures of family photos or, or, or just moments in their life from like a key moment. Like that's a really, it's inspiring, especially when those stories, um, they speak more to you. They, they speak to you, um, especially if they don't. Like they could be something that's totally something that you never experienced, <laughs> but it's really interesting to hear it. Yeah. So I guess that's one of the reasons why I went towards podcasting because I myself love to listen to people via podcast and share their stories. So in a sense, this is kind of like um, an autobiographical thing that we're doing here too, to some degree. And um, the one of the reasons why I started podcasting because one reason was because of my father, okay. um, because he had a very interesting um outlook about his car and how it should look like and what what kind of lights should he have on his rims and stuff like that and a lot of people said <laughs> oh that's ghetto that's a waste of money that's this or that and I was I was proud of my father for taking this this challenge up and he didn't get two shits but <laughs> he, <laughs> he did what he loves to do and that's to to pimp my ride you know and it's and 
I remember growing up and how proud he was and how excited he was, you know, when he would to see those lights go around that rim, you know, or, or anything that he did to the car. So yeah. evolving element comes from that. Hence why um, things are always changing. Things are always, it's about understanding someone's um, nerdiness or someone's um, passion. That's one aspect of evolving element. And the other aspect of evolving element, it was about something I learned. Um, it was um, when the recorder came out, um, the one with the tape, that mm -hmm. when that recorder first came out, there was a group of, I think, sociologists. I could be totally wrong about who exactly what their titles are, but it's, let's say it was a journalist or a sociologist. They went to people that were still alive who'd been through slavery. So, okay. and what they did was they recorded their stories. And I think you could find it on PBS somewhere. I think if you type in um, stories from, um, Afri um, if, I don't know the title, but if you, you, maybe PBS will have a, a I guess a hyperlink or something that you could find. But basically okay. it was um, previous slaves who, who are now free talking about their experiences as slaves and their mm -hmm. life and their childhood and, and up to now until like their age of like say 81 or 82. Yeah. And that's when it hit me. Like if we didn't have that device, then we would have to have a, we would have to pass it down vocally. Mm -hmm. But if say they never published, say they never published that, right? Think about all the information that would have been lost from that time period and from that from those group of people who've been through that tremendous experience. And for me to have read it, I mean not to I mean to hear it. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, this is we gotta document. We gotta document. That's where this whole come thing. And I was talking to my friend Sean about documenting. He was talking about we gotta make our own superheroes. Mm -hmm. Well, this is kind of like where it was birthed from. It's like we gotta document this. You know, so the other day I was talking to Trina. Uh, shout mm -hmm. out to Trina. Uh, these are all people that we work with, by the way. Um, <laughs> Trina, she's like, who the hell's Caddy? Who's, who's she? <laughs> Trina said, I was talking to Trina about food oh, and recipes. And I said, hey, you know, I'm trying to learn how to cook, but a lot of things I just don't know because, you know, I have to learn it from my parents and whatnot. And she's like, awesome. What you do is record it. Record it. Write it down. Record it. And then pass it down. So I've literally been doing it on my desktop now. I have a recording on how my mom made something. Uh, and because I want to pass it down, I'll be able to make it myself. I'm not going to lie. I want to eat it too. You know, I want to make it for myself as well. But those things you don't realize until, like, I remember when I moved out, I was like, damn, I don't know any of my mom's food. I, I'm over here ordering up all the time. I miss my food. I miss my Puerto Rican food, right? And I started thinking, I, I went back home. I said, mom, mom, I can't be taking leftovers anymore. You got to, can I learn? How do you make, how do you make it? How do you make the yeah. good? And that's when it clicked to me, like, I have to. It's, it's, it's not even a question. To keep our culture alive, to keep anybody's culture alive, you got to be able to record it somehow and pass mm -hmm. it down. It's, it's, you feel it, right? It's kind of, we kind of reached our climax, right? I don't know. What, what do you yeah, think? It was, it, was a good, it was a great conversation. Okay. I was worried because sometimes I'm, I don't, like, I don't have a lot to say, but I was just like. Look at you speaking oh, for two hours and a half. <laughs> right? Wow. It's been two hours? We spent talking for two hours oh, and a half. Wow. Maybe the first 10 minutes we were getting set up, but other than that, it's been that long, yes. Wow. So that's why I, I want to be, I just looked at the time now and I realized, oh my God, it's been two hours and a half. So sometimes my guests will never tell me anything. And then I have some guests that say, yo, bro, it's, uh, it's time. So uh, for me, it's like, I, I don't want to overextend my welcome, you know, like, if, by all means, let me know if you got to go. But if that was something, if you wanted to continue, by all means, I'm not going to stop you either. I, I have time left over, but yeah. I'll leave this, I'll leave this and I'll maybe head out some of the middle part. But okay. um, what would you like to leave 
with our audience today? If there's anything you can leave, what would you like to leave? Hmm. I would just, this is something that you've probably seen on my Instagram. I say it on all my posts. I just would like people to know that they have a purpose. Hmm. Like no matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you are, no matter, like, you could be in the worst part of your life. Like, if you wake up the next day, that means that you still have purpose. Mm-hmm. As long as you're still on this earth, you have purpose. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish there was a way, like, there was something that I could do to uplift people and let them know, like, hey, you don't have to stay here. You know, you can, there's something out there for you. But, you know, it, it's... Um, that would be like a best case scenario. But, you know, sometimes when you're stuck in it, it's, it's hard to get out. But I really would just like people to know that you have a purpose and you have the right to pursue it. You can pursue it. And it might not happen overnight, but it will happen as long as you're being persistent and you, like, just take on the mindset of perseverance and just get through it. So... That's what I would want people to know. I couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for your time, um, your wisdom, your knowledge, your experiences, and your candidacy. Um, and may we do this again. I'm really looking forward to it. Yes, me too. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to stop pressing record right now. And, uh, okay. We, okay. We can say goodbye officially.